mean, I would say that gloom after that show aired. You know, I remember going to the gym the next day, and I've, you know, eight million people watched that show. So <laughs> I just thought, I thought everybody on the street and in the gym was looking at me like that poor girl. <laughs> I actually walked up to somebody at the gym, and I was like, "You watch the Shark Tank? Did you feel sorry for me? Did you see me?" I want to tell you a story that's very appropriate for you. It's going to help you immensely, and you're going to thank me for it, okay? It's a story about a boy and his dog. One day, the dog <laughs> went out into the forest and got bitten by a raccoon that had rabies, and the dog slowly went insane. The father made the boy take the dog behind the barn and made the son shoot the dog. Your deal is the rabid dog. It's a very bad idea. I really want to shoot it. If you won't let me, I have to say I'm out. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy course, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Welcome to the Dreamer's Moment. We talk to people who are in the arena, chasing their dreams. That show, as, as badly as it went for me, has been life-altering. I mean, I filmed it in September of 2013, waited four months for it to air in February of 2014. And the day after it aired, you know, as, as badly as it went on the air, I had an inbox filled with thousands and thousands of emails of people telling me the idea was genius, whatever you do, don't give up. Like, I mean, people all over the world were sending me these emails just cheering me on. And, you know, I, I wasn't going to give up even without that inbox. But, you know, ever since then, I can't go to another state or a city. I was at Sam's Wholesale Warehouse in Louisville, Kentucky, over Christmas, and I remember I went over to the samples, you know, where they're giving out little snacks and stuff, and I grabbed two because I got one for me and one for my mom, and this man comes up to me, and he's like, excuse me, and I thought I was going to get in trouble for taking two samples, but he was like, didn't I see you on the shark tank? <laughs> I don't know, but stuff like that happens what, at least once a week, wow. and that show was almost four years ago. Wow. You know what I remember most is because um, you – I, I remember how Kevin O'Leary was, and um, I think what everybody else watching sees is how you reacted to it. And I thought your reaction was great. You didn't 
get mad. You didn't. It you it, you just looked real genuinely humble about it, and um, I think that was what I think endeared people to you at that moment. Well, can I tell you that when Kevin O'Leary started tapping his fingers together the way when he gets ready to tell one of those terrible stories, I took my brain elsewhere. I had no idea what he was saying to me when he was telling me that story. And there was a moment when I could tell he was closing shop um, that I was like, okay, tune back in, tune back in. You're going to have to talk to somebody else now. And I didn't know what that horrible story was until I watched the episode air. Interesting. <laughs> that was actually brilliant. Yeah. I thought so. <laughs> yeah. Did he like come and apologize to you later and just say, no, no. Wow. No, you don't. You don't meet them before. You don't meet them after. I mean, unless you strike a deal with one of them. But that's it's it. That's real. Wow. It's it's TV. Yeah. And it's reality television. So even if it goes badly, you know, which mine went horribly, it still was life altering. And I ended up raising six times the money I asked for on that show and rebuilt the whole business. Yeah, so I was here in New York practicing architecture and design for 15 years, and one night I was out to dinner with a colleague, and I went to the restroom, and when I came back, he'd scribbled on the back of his business card, want to have dinner, and he slipped it to this woman as we were leaving the restaurant, and I had this light bulb idea that I couldn't stop thinking about, about how to take the business out of the business card and make these ice-breaking introductions that weren't intrusive, and they were privacy-protected, and it took me years and then I launched Cheeks.com in May of 2010. Can you explain um, just exactly how it works now and in, in how it's different than that initial design? Yeah, so you know, even on the Shark Tank, they were all stuck on how they didn't think those cards made any sense because if you were bold enough to go up and hand somebody a card, you'd be bold enough to go up to them and say hello, which is not the way it works. Like even my my handsome friend is a bold, outgoing person, but he didn't walk up and say hi. He went and flipped his card and walked away, and the two of them went on a date. So I thought it was a great way to kind of, you know, like in the second grade when you flip a note to somebody you're shy to talk to, and it says, oh, I like you. You want a date? Or what was it? Like, you want to go with me? Yeah, so, you know, after the Shark Tank, when Barbara even said to me, you're, you're the right entrepreneur with the wrong idea, Soon after that show aired, my partner and I sat down and just thought about how can we take that nasty cloud away that happened after the shark tank and, you know, rethink my initial idea about breaking the ice in the real world. So soon after, we, we started working on what we have now, which is a Bluetooth app, still called Cheek, but imagine I'm on a plane or a subway without Wi-Fi or cell signal, the Bluetooth uh, technology connects with other people with the app within a 30-foot radius. So you get an immediate alert when someone else is single and maybe at the end of the bar, I might not see that person. I might not know if they're single. If I run past someone on my running path in the morning, I'll get an immediate notification that I just passed the sky. But, you know, it tells you who's single. It gives you a chance to send a note to them while you might be in the same place. And Otherwise, you know, that that could be the love of your life that you may never see again. But we're trying to give you the chance to strike up a conversation before doing it the way everybody else is doing it, which is like swiping on everybody on all these other dating apps that 
a lot of that never even leads to anything in the real world. That makes a lot of sense. In fact, it makes you think that that kind of application could be applied to other things. Is that, is that even on your radar or is you pretty much keeping to the dating aspect of it? Well, we have recently launched a new app called Networked. It's on Android and iPhone. It's a similar app, Bluetooth technology, and connects people for business. So it's a little bit like LinkedIn in the real world, but maybe I'm at Starbucks and there's someone that's looking to hire exactly what I do. I have a chance to meet that person right then and there. But we even look at it in a use case scenario when you're at expos or conferences. You know, I could be a speaker and not have any idea who those people are in the audience. And you'll start getting notifications of people that you're interested in speaking to. And you have a chance that day to either you can set up a meeting with them on the app or you can just walk up and be like, oh, hey, I saw you're a web developer or you're hiring graphic designers. I was just at a conference in Las Vegas. It ended up being a lot bigger than I, I expected, and there was like 17,000 people. That would have been perfect because there were times when I was supposed to touch base with like our sales rep, and I didn't even know what he looked like. You know, we could have connected <laughs> that way. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. What is, is there a, uh, is it the same website or a different website for the network? Oh, yeah. So it's, it's called Network. So it's network with a D on the end, no apostrophe. And our website is networked.io, and you can find the links to download. It's it's not that easy. It doesn't come up in a, an immediate search in the iTunes store, so it's better just to go straight through our website. I mean, I would say that gloom after that show aired. You know, I remember going to the gym the next day, and I you know, 8 million people watched that show. So <laughs> I just thought, I thought everybody on the street and in the gym was looking at me like that poor girl. <laughs> I actually walked up to somebody at the gym and I was like, you watch the Shark Tank? Did you, did you feel sorry for me? Did you see me? He, he didn't know what I was talking about. But um, <laughs> anyway, you know, just thinking about the money to rebuild the business and am I really ready to give up these cards that I put my heart and soul into? Um but we ended up hiring a, one of the most expensive agencies in New York City to build our app. And we had our website on hold saying the new cheeks coming soon. And we thought it was going to happen in three, four months max to build this app. Anyway, it turned out to be well over a year. What we thought was going to cost um, three months of work ended up being over four times that amount. So, um, I don't know. I've just been bamboozled by developers from day one. And, you know, that was even part of my, my spiel on the Shark Tank was like, I just can't get my website fixed. And this whole thing, like web developers have just eaten my entire life savings. And then we, there we were again with an investment going in for this really great agency to build this app and they couldn't figure it out. So finally, over a year in, we, we gave up with them. We took it out on our own, and my partner got some people in-house, and we ended up fixing what they couldn't fix in a year. So, I mean, that was that was a scary period. You know, our, web, our whole business was on hold. I never knew if it was ever going to work. Right. Wow. Uh, and that's all been resolved now, that you're, you're well beyond that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it was painful, trust me. Oh, yeah. Um, how about uh, on the opposite side, what what have been some of the most, I, I read something you wrote about 
just the the interactivity I think was like special thing that you enjoyed but like what what are some of the most magical moments that you've experienced because you took a risk and pursued your dream now even before Shark Tank like through this whole thing like if you told me 10 years ago that I would be a keynote speaker at a tech conference I would have told you you're an insane person <laughs> I mean I've been flown around the world and back to talk about this business and all the risks I've taken and sort of going into it, not having any idea what I'm doing, all the mistakes I've made and how somehow seven and a half years later, I'm here to talk about it and I'm still bulldozing forward and I'm involved in this other new app, which I think is really awesome. But, you know, I've been in the New York Times, I've been in Inc. Magazine, Fast Company, I mean, just I was flown to California to speak at an entrepreneur magazine conference and to Belfast to keynote a tech conference just I've been in a L'Oreal commercial I don't know there's like so many neat things that have happened to me that I never ever would have thought would be possible and you know back when I had my career in architecture and design I'd sometimes get photographed at fashion parties or design parties but that was like <laughs> that was as big as it got wow. I don't know I just just this hustle has taken me all over the world and back, and I think it's really incredible. And right now, I'm just thinking that just sounds awesome. Not the, you know, not being in a L'Oreal commercial for me, maybe, but. <laughs> <laughs> so for the people that um, this podcast is really geared for, uh, there are people who are stuck in that day job, like you once were, and you know they really want to know what. What kinds of insights or maybe just a single insight that you've gained by kind of sticking to your course and sticking to your passion, what can you share with people? Well, you know, even when I had my day job, this corporate career, and I was making $120,000 a year as an architect, and I mean, it was an awesome job, but I still didn't love the fact that I was going to work from like 9 to 6, 7 o'clock every day working to build somebody else's dream. And, you know, I just wanted to get out of there so I could go live my own life. And I don't think you can just quit your day job and go decide to build something. Like, you've got to have an idea that you can't stop thinking about, that you feel so passionately about, that it is the only thing that you can think about. I mean, this is like, for me, was deeper than any in love I've ever felt with with a guy. You know, this is just like, it, it overcame my whole existence and that's why I felt the passion to take that leap and um, I figured it out you know really had no idea what I was doing made so many mistakes and now I say I could be the walking poster child for that age-old phrase what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger and (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I I can deal with anything now. It seems that um, what you have is you stuck to one one pursuit. I mean, I know you're branching out to the networking thing now, but um, I think that's maybe where maybe in myself and others um, maybe don't stick to one thing. And maybe it's uh, maybe you just have to stay focused for a long time. You know, I think it's um, this this business of mine is bigger than a business for me. I mean, it's almost become my life's mission, and. You know, the longer I've had this business, I feel like the more technology is taking us away from these human interactions. I mean, if you walk down a typical New York City sidewalk, you can barely walk a block without three people running into you because they're looking down at their phones. So 
you know, whether it's for business or dating or whatever we're trying to nail here, it's, it's all about trying to get people to connect in the real world and just, you know, get off the phone and like, look <laughs> up, there's a world of people around you. <laughs> right on. So I can be found pretty much at Cheeked everywhere. So we're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, um, even Snapchat. And I'm Lori Cheek NYC on Twitter. And you can find our app download at Cheek.com and also at Network.io. Next time on The Dreamer's Moment. That's a very good question. You know, like the the David and the Goliath question, right? Right, um, exactly. And, you know, I, I think it's it's just, if you keep, well, one silly approach, or not so silly, is that I think if you are going to position yourself as uh, the, the, the tiny person who cannot defeat Goliath, you're going to be defeated. So if you think of yourself as um, somebody who can make it, um, then you will. The Dreamer's Moment is part of the Life Podcast Network, a group of family-friendly podcasts bringing a positive message of hope and inspiration. Find us at lifepodcast.net.